And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio on a Friday. Metallica Friday, as we're calling it here. In Lotus, we got a lot of rock and roll people in this building here at Lotus. A lot of people trying to go to the show tonight. Hopefully we bump into a lot of people, and Bobby's done a great job this week. We've had an array of guests from Meta World Peace, who's now Meta Santaford Peace. He was great when we had him on yesterday. To Kirk Morrison, who joined us. I played in the Raider Foundation Golf Tournament. That was a fun, memorable week here. And right around the corner, we have March Madness as we're getting ready for the madness in Vegas and all the excitement that's going to be here in this town, all the parties, the fraternal order of the men of khaki pants, all the men that fly in groups of five, six, seven, and drink buckets of Modelo and have a great time and go to steakhouses. And they're all here for March Madness. That's going to get on us pretty quick. And it's also the two-year anniversary of COVID in sports where everything shut down during the Pac-12 championship and the Pac-12 tournament, and it all stopped that two years ago. We've been through this together as we're launching, and we're still launching a brand-new NFL flagship. A lot of people around here busted their back to get this off the ground, and then two years of COVID, and things are getting better, and hopefully I'll see that tonight. And tomorrow night with Billy Joel as he's playing back-to-back. A shout-out to the staff at Allegiant Stadium and the roadies and the individuals who are going to move that band in, Metallica, and out. And the Metallica's already moved in and then have to get Billy Joel ready for that big show on Saturday night. I'm going to both, and I'm excited to talk about that. But I'm more excited to talk about my podcast partner, Tom Looney, joins us. We have a podcast that dropped today. You can download our podcast at JT and Looney. Wherever you get your podcast, it's right there. And I'm excited to have Tom come on on a Friday. You know, there's a difference between being injury prone and having fluke injuries. And we've talked right. about this a lot, and we talked about it on the podcast. Now, I don't think that Anthony Davis is going to hold up the rest of his career. He breaks down a lot, but that last injury was a fluke. He went up for a ball, came down on another player's foot. It looked like his ankle broke. It didn't. He's going to be out for a month there, and a lot of people are pounding away talking about how delicate of a player he is. He's been one of the better centers in basketball for quite some time. But he's just not available anymore, and I wonder what the Lakers are going to think about the end game with Anthony Davis as a Laker. And, and that's one of the reasons why Jeannie can't step up. They got to wrap their head around whose fault it really is, or is it anybody's? You know, if, if Anthony Davis was healthy, they would have two top five players starting each night, and who knows what their record would be? But they have a little bit of an older team. Uh, they a little bit, uh, and then the youngest guy on the older team is the one who keeps getting hurt. And you're right. It's not always you – know, there's a lot of bad luck which goes into injuries in basketball because, as you mentioned, you can come down and step on a ball or step on someone's foot, get poked in the eye, and night after night after night, you, you take those risks. And I don't think you trade away a guy like Anthony Davis. I don't think you trade away a guy like LeBron James. Two years off a title. Just put some other pieces in there. As as I've mentioned over and over, think of the Booby Gibson and Della Ladova, guys that you couldn't find, guys whose faces you wouldn't recognize if they walked into a bar, even though they're six feet ten. Because LeBron James is able to go to the finals with really mediocre, healthy people. He just doesn't have some great, healthy people around him right now. 
A lot of things have changed since we were on the radio together for 14 years. Climate change. Everybody talks climate right. change now. Uh, right. I can't use cash at an arena anymore. I'm going to Metallica. I can't use cash. I have to use a card. Cash is no good anymore. And the Academy Awards has disappeared. You go to more movies than anybody I know. I love movies. I'm downloading everything. I love everything. But I'm not watching movies anymore. I'm watching Yellowstone. I'm watching 1883. I'm watching documentaries. I'm watching so much good stuff on Netflix and television and Amazon Prime. I don't even know what's in the movies. How am I supposed to pay attention with the upcoming award season and movies? Well, it's the pandemic effect, really. The movies in the year 2019, the pandemic was 2020. Uh, Hollywood had its greatest year ever. So people are people love the movie going experience. We haven't been allowed to go to movies, wear masks inside, etc. So right now, between that and the movie business, really in a new era of streaming, etc., it's try, still trying to decide. Even though this is the golden era for entertainment and television, especially if you want an acting job, there's 600 shows. But you know, there's still in, in terms of major motion pictures. They're still on shaky ground right now because of the pandemic. Movies in the theater will make a big comeback as soon as COVID dies down for good. Download our latest podcast wherever you get it. We're proud of it. JT and Looney, wherever you get your podcast. I'm ashamed to say this. I haven't been to the movies in two years. I really haven't. I'm ashamed of that. You know, I'm one of the few men who's brave enough to say, I like to go to the movies by myself. They're called matinees. And I would do yeah. that. And, I, and my wife and I would go to movies together in the day because I can't handle people eating in public. I can barely handle it at a restaurant when people chew <laughs> loud and make a mess of their food. But in the movies, people think they have the right to rip open cartons and rip open wrappers and make noise because they feel like they're getting rewarded. They're leaving their house. They can drop their candy on the ground. They can chew loud. So have you been to a movie? Should I go back? Do I, need, I, don't, I don't have to wear a mask, right? I can enjoy a movie well, again? Uh, a couple of things to unwrap, Mr. <laughs> Hot Take. Uh, one thing is, you and I were on the radio at night for 15 years, so we could enjoy going into an empty movie theater at 1 o'clock yes. in the afternoon while the rest of the world was in their cubicles. So that was a, that was another great, great uh, opportunity. We had to go to the movies during the day all those years. I also recommend if anybody wants to have the movie theater to themselves, go on Sunday night to the 10 o'clock movie on Sunday night. You'll have a place all to yourself. Um, what was your question? <laughs> What was, what was the last movie you went to? Oh, I went to see the Ricardos, being the Ricardos. And it was actually Javier Bardem, Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. God, it was good. I've only gone to a few movies this year. Um, and I, uh, so I'm guilty of that, too. I, I'm really guilty of that, too. We had stricter rules in California. We had the pandemic, et cetera. I'll be going back more often. Uh, finally, I'm going to Metallica, and then I'm going to Billy Joel. What does that say about me and my demographic? Well, that shows that you're well-rounded. <laughs> Look at that. you got the Billy Joel, which was kind of a pop and bubblegum guy when he was at his height, although he's one of the greatest piano players and artists and songwriters in the world. But he was Mr. He was one of those great artists that you didn't always wear the shirt because we were really, we were really wearing Rolling Stones shirts. Uh, but nevertheless, that that shows that you are still broad-based, broad-minded. Metallica and Billy Joel, 
one for you and one for your wife. <laughs> that's a good way to wrap. That, hey, yeah. that's a good way. You know me good. That's a great way to wrap up this conversation. Yep. One for me and one for my wife. That should be the that's title it. of my next book. Instead of the handoff to one for me or two for me and one for my wife. Have a good one, Looney. Good to talk to you, buddy. All right, Sam. Appreciate Tom Looney joining us. Always a good friend. A lot of people ask for Looney. Where's Looney? Where's Looney? Always comes out for the fights. Comes out to my home, and uh, my wife adores him. My kids adore him, and that's why we still podcast together. Got a lot to say about L.A. and a really cool job on KLAC as a newsman now after being a, a partner of mine for 14 years. 702-365-9200 as we wrap up our week here on Raider Nation Radio. And I'll tell you what we're working on next week and a project we're ready for for the draft as we're going to be interviewing a great draft pick from every decade in Raider history. Project I'm working on with the Raiders Alumni Department. So we're going to get you a Raiders draft pick from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000. 2010s and a recent one there something i've been working on on the side just a little sneak of what we're working on here to keep us going for the draft and the draft has got to be good this town's got to be great as the nfl is going to be right here in vegas from the bellagio lakes to the area right behind where the big link is the ferris wheel to all the casino hotels and hey i want to thank our proud partner m resort spawn casino for everything they do and their continued support of our show Thanks again to Tom Looney. Follow him at Looney on Fox. And please download our podcast. We just want you to subscribe to it. It'll show up in your inbox, and we think you'll like it. As I continue on Friday, Metallica night on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Obviously, I'm um, sickening to see uh, AD go down um, in that fashion. Um, you know, hope he's fine. Um, I mean, obviously, I know he's not like great, but it's just you know, obviously, his health is the most important for him individually, for our ball club. And um, you know, I've seen it too many times, obviously. So I just wish him the best, and uh, I mean, it's still a game need to be played at the end of the day, and uh, and I still have to make plays and to try to help us win. I was able to do that. JT, back with you Friday, Metallica night, right here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. I've been talking about this show all week, and hopefully it's a big one tonight for those who are in town, those Raider fans are in town. Bobby's been cranking the Metallica the entire time, and we appreciate that as we continue here on what's been a good week for us here. A bunch of different sports, as you know, I've covered a lot of NBA this week, coming off the All-Star Game, Steph Curry scoring 50 and being the MVP. And then the NBA was back last night. Uh, Jason Tatum had a massive game against the Nets where no one played for the Nets. No one played for Portland. Steph Curry and the Warriors won. And it's kind of a trend, you know, in the league here. And we're going to see what happens as teams try to get healthy. And it's more about the Lakers and what the Lakers are going to try to do to save the second half of their season. I don't know how they're going to do it. They didn't do anything at the trade deadline and they are going to have to do something quickly here to get that chemistry back. If you don't got good chemistry, if you don't have chemistry in the NBA, you better have stars that can overcome chemistry. Lakers thought they had that, and they don't have it now. 
All right. Andre Snellings joins us, ESPN senior writer, also covers NBA analytics, really sharp guy. And I'm excited to talk to him. I haven't talked to him, but we reached out to him because of that all-NBA 75 team. And he was on a panel that discussed who was overrated, underrated. And he's, a, he's an important guy because he had a lot to do with this, which was a big topic this week. Andre, really appreciate you joining us. Thanks for joining us on Raider Nation Radio. I'm pumped up to have you on. It's kind of a big music Friday for us. How are you? I'm doing great. Let me jump in on this 75. I've been talking about this since they all came out with those Blazers on. I was upset at the no-shows who didn't show up. I was thrilled to see the legends who were there. But then with the ESPN column on the ranking from 75 to 1, that's what was really interesting to me. Let's talk about a couple of players that you think were overrated and maybe underrated. Let's start with the underrated players. Oh, yeah. So um, I'm one, and people that have followed me for a while knew what my answer is going to be. I think Kevin Garnett is very underrated on this list. Um, he's number 21, which is still outstanding. But, you know, you mentioned that I do analytics, and I like to look at impact, how much a player's presence on the court correlates with their team winning, with their scoring margin. And we've got that information for the past 25 years. Over that period, Garnett really, the only peer he has as far as impact on the court for his team's winning is LeBron James, who was number two on the list. So I think that the fact that he spent so much of his career in Minnesota and wasn't really seen kind of obscured the fact that he was very probably the best player of his generation, or at least in the argument. So uh, he's one that I had as underrated. Now let's look at overrated, because I was kind of surprised by that because it's a current player in the league right now who's injured but could be on any given day the best player in the world. Yeah, a lot of people um, argue that he is the best player in the world. Um, I don't necessarily agree. I think Kevin Durant is a basketball freak. You know, he's like the most effortless scorer I've ever seen. But, again, speaking of impact, there's more than just scoring to, to, to making an impact. And he has a versatile game, but where he's elite is just primarily as a finisher. And just if, if you look at it, you know, for example, real plus minus is, is one plus minus stat that ESPN uses to track mm-hmm. uh, that impact. And he just is very rarely at the top of the league. I compared him to two of his contemporaries, former teammate Steph Curry and then Chris Paul. Both of them have spent much more of their career at the top of the league as far as impact goes than a player like Durant. So I think he's outstanding. I just don't think he's the 12th greatest player of all time. You know, I think it's fascinating when you look at the older players from the old era. You know, Bob Pettit, okay. and you go back to Bob Cousy and the legends who played back in the day. Rick Barry, I think, is an excellent example. I've interviewed him many times. You look at Rick Barry, and you say, man, this guy could light it up. He was underhand with the free throw. He was relentless wanting to win, but a lot of people haven't seen him, and they wonder how they would play, how he would play in the speed of this game now. I think he was a great shooter. And this is a shooter's league now. How do you like to compare different eras? I'm not talking 50s and 60s, but maybe the 80s and 90s to what we're seeing now here in 2020, 2022. Oh, yeah. I'm a basketball nerd. You know, you were talking Mm -hmm. about loving these types of lists. I actually, in my free time, sometimes I'll get together with groups of friends and we'll just go back through NBA history and rank seasons or rank players all the way back to the shot clock. So what I like to do is, again, that, that word, you can uh, take a shot every time I say impact. But I like to look at how players, you know, 
affect their teams winning. And you can do that across era. You know, you only have plus minus data maybe the last 25 years. But another player I could have argued is most underrated was Bill Russell at number six on the list. To me, he should be number one because Mm -hmm. I don't know that any player in NBA history has ever impacted his team's chances to win. I'm not counting the rings. I'm counting what he did to make his team win. And you can look at it. The year before he got to the Celtics, they were a below-average defense. For the 13 years he was there, they were the number one defense in 12 of the 13 seasons, often by, like, cartoonish margins. Like, their, their, their gap between uh, first and second was bigger than second in the rest of the league. And then as soon as he left, the team fell off again. So that's one of the things I like to do to compare across era. Another is you can look at teams, especially with players that get injured or that got traded midseason, you can look at how their teams play with them versus without them. And so some of those older players, you know, Oscar Robertson, Jerry West, even uh, a guy like Bill Walton, they missed a lot of time in different seasons, and it's just obvious. When they missed games, their teams fell off a cliff at a level that other all-time greats, for example, maybe a Wilt Chamberlain who got traded in midseason, and his team before the trade and his team after the trade, their their records didn't really change all that much, you know. So – those are type things that you can use to look at, at players across time and, and then try to get them on the same scale to compare with modern players. Andre Snellings joins us. Follow him at Professor DRZ as we continue with the top 75 players of all time. And I like what you said about Russell. He could be number one. And Chamberlain was clearly the most dominant player of all time because of his height and his skill set around the rim and the players he was going up against in that era. But where does Kareem stand? I got people still to this day, Andre, that tell me that they got Kareem over LeBron, Jordan. They got Kareem at number one, and Kareem gets disrespected. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can make a a very serious argument for Kareem at number one. I mean, he's got six MVPs, six rings. You know, every accolade in college, high school, college, and pro, you know, um, all-time leading scorer still. I don't personally have him. I had him, you know what I talked about being a nerd? I had him as my GOAT before I did one of these projects to step back through time. And afterwards, that was when I came out with Russell. And Kareem had maybe moved down to in the five range for me. Because one thing I noticed is that as great as he is as an individual scorer, um, in some ways he's analogous to Durant in that, I'm not always positive how much he was personally impacting his team's championships. Like all six of his championships, one of them came with Oscar Robertson. Now Kareem was in his prime. Oscar was past his, but Mm -hmm. Oscar was still having a really big impact as the floor general on that team. And then his other five came next to magic. Who's the other probably greatest point guard of all time. And, and both magic and Oscar were able to elevate their teams to the top offenses in the league both with and without Kareem. And Kareem wasn't necessarily able to do that without them. So I still think he's elite. I have him, you know, obviously. I mean, you know, you can't argue against that. I think he's one of the best players of all time, but I don't necessarily have him even on my Mount Rushmore if I was only picking four players. Andre Snellings joins us, ESPN senior writer, Fantasy Hoops, NBA analytics. So the big, to me, the big elephant in the room on this list, and when you debated it, and it was put together as LeBron at two, and Jordan at one. And I did a podcast on this also where I'm talking about what it takes. If LeBron's at number two on this list, that's a tremendous accomplishment with the people who put it together, and a lot of people agree with that. Now, how would LeBron technically catch Jordan at number one? And I think the debate comes down to this. Jordan is 6-0 and in the finals. LeBron is not. LeBron's lost finals. He's got four. 
So I think LeBron's got to get six. And he's set up to do that until this year with this failed roster, and he's not going to get one this year, and they're going to have to blow it up or he's going to have to move on to chase the other two. But if he gets to six and he laps Jordan with every record, longevity, points, rebounds, block shots, postseason and regular season, and then he waits for his son to play, and he played out of high school something Jordan could have never attempted, plus Jordan left the game when LeBron never left the game, would LeBron have a chance in your mind to get to number one? Yes. So here's the thing. You know, that, that last part you mentioned about being able to play with his son, I really hope that happens. I'm from Dayton, Ohio, you know, which is right up the road from Cincinnati. So I remember when Ken Griffey Jr. and Sr. were playing together, and I thought that was amazing. So I would love to see that with LeBron and his son. For me personally, I think you can make a strong case for LeBron over Jordan right now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't – you know, some of the, the, the things that you mentioned are some of the, the, the arguments that people make a lot. But with that, that Jordan is 6-0 and in the finals kind of makes my teeth hurt because it, it, makes, it makes it seem like he, like he only played six seasons. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not 6-0 and winning championships. He's 6-7 and or however many seasons he played because those other seasons where his team didn't make the championship, you know, you don't get a pass for that. Like, to me, so LeBron's got four rings and then, what, six finals appearances on top of that? So that means that, that you know, Jordan had the better finish six times, but outside of that, Finishing second is a lot better than wherever Jordan was finishing, or the Bulls, I should say, were finishing those other seasons. That being said, I think that, that again, you know, take a shot, coming back to impact, I think LeBron's on-court impact is at least comparable with MJ's. It's hard to, to look at that degree of, of, of detail to separate across era, but I think they're very comparable. And as you pointed out, LeBron has played for significantly a, a significantly longer period, mm-hmm. and he's maintained that high level across that period of time so i think that with longevity you can make the case that lebron was about as good as jordan ever was at their best but he held that for a lot longer and if if, if you respect longevity you could say that lebron should be ahead of jordan right now that is a tremendous conversation piece the way you framed that with about a minute to go a little bit more you got the bucks still going back to back and winning the championship again why I do because, well, right now I feel like they're the safest bet. Right after they won the championship, um, the odds came out and they they were third behind the Lakers and Nets. I thought they should have been the favorite then, and I don't see anything to have changed that. Um, They they had, like a lot of teams, they had a lot of injuries. They had to deal with with COVID and stuff. But when their top three players play together, they're still winning at like a 65-win clip. And, And they just give me the sense that they still have more in the tank, like that they'll be turning it up for the postseason. And you look at their comp- competition, the, the Nets, the 76ers, um, the Celtics in the East, they all have question marks. And the same in the West. Now you've got, you know, the, the Warriors without Draymond trying to work clay back. You've got the Suns without Chris Paul. It's like all of the major teams have question marks, whereas the Bucks, I think we know what we're going to get, and it's going to be championship caliber. Tell me about at Professor DRZ. Is that a professor academia, professor like Dr. Dre? How, what is that all about there? Tell me about that. <laughs> It would have been academia. You know, my background, I am actually, I am officially a Dr. Dre. I'm a Ph.D. in biomedical engineering with an emphasis on neuroprosthetics. I used to do brain research. Um, but I also used to be a, a college athlete, and I've always been into basketball. And I had a little basketball blog. And so one day I was an engineer working for a, a research company, and I got a, a call from ESPN that said, hey, we've seen your blog. 
we're thinking about uh, creating a position for you. So Matt, instead nice. of being an engineer that was a part-time basketball writer, now I'm a basketball writer that's a, a part-time engineer. Continued success. Thanks so much for doing this. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate Andre coming on, and that conversation is really cool. And I'd have everybody just Google and go back to that. Go back to that NBA list of the 75. I've been ranting on that all week. The guys who didn't show up, Tim Duncan, Steve Nash, Scottie Pippen, Carl Malone. There's some big players. Larry Bird who didn't show up. I, I think that is just awful. Terrible look. Terrible look for those of them who didn't show up. An awful look any way you look at it. But, hey, that happens. And Andre had a lot to say about that list and who's overrated and underrated on the list. Kevin Garnett was a hell of a player. I think he was a little bit higher on that list. I thought Carmelone was lower than I expected. And that conversation is going to go on the next couple of years, as we just said and wrapped it up there. The conversation is going to go on for a long period of time. Jordan and can LeBron ever catch him? I think LeBron can catch him. Most people disagree. But, man, did Andre just give you a, a really strong opinion on how that could happen. All the things that are coming together still for LeBron James, maybe except for this year where he thought he'd kind of sniff another ring and it doesn't look like he's going to be able to do that. JT, as we continue here on a Friday, if you're going to Metallica tonight, meet me at the Torch. show's going to start early. Greta Van Fleet supposedly coming on. Some people are saying 637 because Metallica is going to do a long set. Doors open real early for this show, so get there early, and I'm excited to see Allegiant Stadium as the sun is setting and one of the great metal bands of all time. Hard rock metal bands are coming in, and they're Raider fans, and they got a great history of the Raiders, and it's the first time they're playing at the Raiders Stadium. This is going to be really cool. We'll continue with our conversation. You miss any portion of the show, go to lvsportsnetwork.com. This is Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by Modelo, where the bucket of Modelo is on ice, counting down. I'm serious. I got a bucket of Modelo in the backyard. It's on ice. I reward myself on Friday with a bucket of Modelo, thanks to our good friends with the fighting spirit. I mean, I think that's the thing that hurts most about losing is um, the uncertainty, you know what I'm saying, in the locker room. You don't know who's going to be back. You don't know what coach is going to be back. Um, so every day we kind of try, just try to cherish the moments with each other. And, I mean, like with all the adversity that we, we've been through, we all definitely came tighter and, and, and closer. Um, so, I mean, when I seen the guy's face after the game in the locker room, and um, that's the thing that kind of hit home for me. JT, welcome back on a Friday, Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m., and what a weekend in Vegas. From the time I landed here with my first radio show in 96, I dreamed of having a weekend like this with music, rock and roll, heavy metal, icons, and we got it. John Katsalamidis, Johnny Katz from the Review Journal, kind enough to join us to kind of put a, put, put a, put a candle on the cake, put a bow on this. Katz, I'll tell you, I'm excited. I saw you after the Slash show, before and after, and that was an unbelievable time, and we talked about this weekend in front of us. How excited are you? I'm very excited. It was great seeing you and, and all of our friends over at the Slash, uh, Miles Kennedy and, and you, uh, with Frank Sidoris, our friend Frank, uh, playing that show, Las Vegas Native. So that kind of kicked off what we're seeing now, I think, that whole night. 
um, yeah, it's an exciting weekend. We have a lot going on, a lot of variety, uh, a lot of big stuff, uh, a couple of really big shows at Legion Stadium. Um, and it's, it's on, you know, right now. I think uh, the, the really big scale stuff is, uh, is Metallica at, at uh, Allegiant Stadium tonight and Billy Joel at Allegiant Stadium tomorrow night. And we also have Silk Sonic um, with Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack opening uh, tonight at uh, Dolby Live. Yeah, that's fantastic that this is all going Yeah, that's the fact that this is all going on in one weekend is incredible. Mm -hmm. And and Johnny, I put out we were talking today when Metallica played the Oakland Coliseum parking lot before the AFC championship game in two thousand three as the Raiders were on the way to the Super Bowl and I've been looking at the video on YouTube and I was there for that and it was (laughs) insanity. And James Hatfield talked about being a lifelong Raider fan and what that meant to him. I've always said this when I talk to you about performers who play Vegas. Vegas is bigger. It's the entertainment capital of the world from Elvis to Sinatra to the legends. I think all bands and artists have more pop to them when they come here. And then you talk about Allegiant Stadium and Metallica's connection to the Raiders. This should make for one of the great mm-hmm. shows that we've seen since, since the stadium opened. Yeah, that's a really good point about the about the affiliation between Metallica and the, the Bay Area and the Raiders and all that, and uh, and they're of course one of the few um, act, you know, rock acts that can actually, uh, you know, maintain a stadium tour right now. And um, I th- I think if you look at what the what artists are saying about Allegiant Stadium, I go back to what Garth Brooks said about it actually. You know, when he was going to be the first uh, at the time, the first you know artist to play uh, the first uh, recording artist to play the stadium. He's like, everybody's going to want to play that building. He said, everybody's going to want to, they'll fly over it. They're going to want to be there. They're going to play it because it's, it's, it's where it is and it is what it is. And I think we're seeing that with Metallica and, uh, and Billy Joel. And uh, I'm, I'm really interested in both those shows. I'm interested, as interested in Billy Joel too, because he's had kind of a spotty history in Las Vegas. He's never done a residency here and he's had his touring shows here and he played with Elton John over at the uh, MGM Grand on on, uh, on that tour uh-huh. uh, multiple times on, on touring with with Elton. I'm interested to see if Billy Joel will ever, you know, pull a trigger and do a residency here in Las Vegas. I think he's one of those who we've always talked about and uh, wondered if he was going to do it and I know years ago Steve Wynn wanted Billy Joel to to play Encore Theater before he signed Garth Brooks, and Billy Joel didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm seeing if this isn't a test for something else down the road. Yeah, I think it is 100%, because from what I'm hearing, and you're more in the know with James Dolan in the sphere, and the fact that Billy mm-hmm. Joel pretty much has a residency at Madison Square Garden. And think about that. He has a residency at Madison Square Garden and his name <laughs> up in the rafters with the Rangers and the Knicks and the legends there that he'll be exclusive, I would assume, at the Sphere. If I'm wrong, I'll correct that down the road. So I, I really believe that this Billy Joel concert will be the last opportunity for him to play a Legion or play a stadium. If it goes well, maybe add another night on the tour on the back end. But I think this is an historic moment for Billy Joel, who I grew up with. He grew up in the next town next to me, as I've been telling people. I grew up in Massapequa, Long Island. He grew up in Hicksville. And this is a big deal because Billy Joel, the piano man, playing in Vegas with with the legendary piano men played before him. I can't wait for this on Saturday night. I'm going with 12 friends. We're going in there. When we're going to have that New York attitude, we're going to have some pizza before we go in. (laughs) Pretend like we're in Little Italy, cats. Are you going to be singing piano, man? 
Do I hear that right? Are you guys going to uh, see Seattle? Yeah. <laughs> this is the backdrop of my youth, so I'm excited about it. But, you know, you and I have been talking on the radio for years here, and you know Ola. My wife the other night went to Luke Bryan. She got a last-second call from Frankie Sidora Sr. for a ticket to go there. She goes, yeah, I'll be down there in a half hour. She pulls into Resorts World, free parking, comes down the elevator right at the theater, walks in, and we've seen Carrie Underwood, and she was there for Katy Perry, and she said, oh, my God, Luke Bryan pulled it off, too. Another spectacular show when it came to the visuals, and the music sounded great. Yeah, Luke Bryan is, a, is another one. I was impressed with his, uh, the, the production in his show and how very much, I, I don't know if, if this is how you all came out of that show, but I felt like I really knew him when I, when I walked out of that theater. I, I got him. You know, He was like the kind of guy you'd want to hang with. And uh, it's it's such it's at once a warm show, but it's also got some really impressive production. And I love that catwalk he does at the end, you know, where he comes up over the crowd. That's cool. The multiple levels, the multi-tiered staging that he puts his uh, band on is really impressive. Um, I thought he did great. You know, I, I, he was kind of downplaying it coming in. He's like, it's just going to be me in the band. Don't think you're going to see Katy Perry, you know, and all this. But he, he was uh, he was up for the challenge and he's a great ambassador for that residency too. I saw all three of them, uh, Lionel Richie and Katy Perry and Luke Bryan on Jimmy Kimmel last night. Uh-huh. And they were all talking about their Vegas experiences with Lionel Richie over at Encore Theater. And they love it. You know, they love being here. And then why not? Johnny Katz is our guest. I know you had an update on the Cirque shows. Uh, some Cirque updates here as masks are going to mm-hmm. be a goner as of Monday. I know everybody's excited about that in Vegas. Tell us about that. Well, they've, they've uh, uh, taken the mask off their cast members who were vaccinated on stage, uh, masks off on the cast and crew, masks off, uh, or optional, I should say, uh, for those who are in the theaters uh, as of uh, Monday. Um, and masks off have been, has been the policy to, in the theaters already anyway for fans, for ticket holders. So that's good. You know, Cirque has been out ahead of the, uh, the policies all the way. You know, they were among the first companies to, you know, tell their uh, employees they had to be vaccinated and had to wear masks while on the job. Them in Spiegel World, another one who was absent, uh, had that. So this is another uh, moment where we're seeing the restrictions come down and, uh, and uh, production companies being more confident in their uh, in the, the safety climate right now and where we are in this uh, pandemic currently that's a good sign for those of us who want to, you know to be able to see shows like we used to um we also had mad apple announced speaking of cirque you know the new show gets opening on the, in may at new york new york it's a new york themed show so they've it's been a big week for uh, cirque they announced that this week and they're opening a soft opening on may 12th i believe it is over there at the old zoomanity theater so there's a new cirque show coming this spring too on top of everything Johnny Katz joins us from the Review Journal as we wrap it up. You know, I won't talk to you. I'm going to take some time off in early March, and when I come back, it'll be right around the two-year anniversary of COVID in sports. That's when the Pac-12 mm-hmm. conference tournament, you remember, was canceled, and everything started to shut down. And then Vegas looked around, and the rest of the country looked around two years ago in about two weeks, and sports changed forever. And then it hit the strip, and it hit all the shows. Sports led the way with all these COVID shutdown, uh, shutdowns on a grand scale, and then entertainment was right behind that. As we wrap this up, let's talk about this two-year journey and what it was like for the people behind the scenes that you and I care for, the people who worked in the back of these arenas, the people who loaded in, loaded out, the people who worked front concessions, the people who didn't have a job to go to, some for a year, year mm-hmm. and a half because shows went dark. 
you know, Monday, everybody tried to save this, save this vibe that we had in Vegas, and now it feels like it's really coming back, man. But that's a long road that a lot of people had to fight through. Yeah, and they did it through um, patchwork. A lot of them burned their savings accounts. A lot of them uh, had uh, qualified for, uh, you know, temporary um, assistance to sustain their lives until everything did come back. Um, I've been talking to some artists uh, in Las Vegas, some entertainment professionals who said, you know, uh, especially this is true, especially the performers who do corporates and who do kind of the smaller venue shows, that they have more work now. They're starting to see more work coming back right now than they imagined because a lot of those people got out of the business. You know, a lot of folks who, who have been popular go-to entertainers and entertainment even companies have mm-hmm. gone off to the sidelines and done other things, got into, you know, real estate or, you know, doing other ventures that those who are really uh, feeling that there's a lot of work out there for them now. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a grind and, and uh, there's no other way to put it. And uh, we I just like the other night I went and saw the Bronx Wanderers and it was Binet's birthday from the Bronx Wanderers. And there was a whole bunch of us together, friends of mine who hadn't been together in two years collectively. And it was a very powerful experience to be in, in all together. We had a party afterwards in a suite and we were just like, wow, you know, yeah. it's just great to be able to, to commiserate with each other, to, to communicate and to, to be around each other. So I don't know what else to say, man. It's been a it's been a wild ride, and um, you know, where I think we're prepared for anything in Las Vegas at this point. No doubt about it. Love having you on. Heading into such a big weekend. Last question here. So, is this one of those entertainment flex? The things they talk about here with everything's happening. Traffic. Greta Van Fleet might hit the stage at seven seven thirty. You mentioned Bruno Mars. What's happening downtown? Vegas infrastructure or cabbies or Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, are they going to be, is this going to be one of those stress tests again? The weather's nice. We don't have to worry about snow and rain here, so it should be pretty smooth, right? Well, I hope so. You know, it's going to be, I say to everybody, plan ahead. I'm starting to yes. what I call the airport rule. Plan to go to, if you're going to MGM Grand, if you're going to, to Park MGM, Toshiba Plaza, the T-Mobile, Allegiant, it's like going to the airport. Plan ahead. Be there early, early, because um, it's it's tough. I went to the MGM Grand uh, last weekend for Andrea Bocelli, and I, I was reminded of this. It takes a, a while to get there, a while to get in. Plan for it and be patient. But if you plan ahead, you, you'll be all right. And I think that we'll be able to satisfy the – if we can do the Raider games, you know, Raiders games. Yes as we have, you know, fairly, you know, by the end it was fairly, we, at least we, we knew what to expect. Uh, it was fairly predictable. Um, I think we can we can do this weekend as, as well. I think we've got the infrastructure. We, no one else can do it, but Las Vegas can. <laughs> I agree. Uh, take care, my friend. I'll see you out this weekend. Thanks for doing this. I'll see you, JT. Thanks. Take care. You got it. Johnny Katz, uh, read him his entertainment column. In the Las Vegas Review Journal, brought to you by Resorts World, Doghouse, my home for Monday Night Football. We have Katz on. Because Katz is dialed in with entertainment in Vegas. And the show's based in Vegas. We've got a lot of people streaming the show all over the world, right? All over the world. They're streaming this, thank God, because of the Raiders mobile app. And we want to tell them about Vegas. We're pro-Vegas. And anything that's positive that's happening here, we want to be a part of it. And this weekend is just incredible. I remember where I was. I think it was a Raider game. It was either a pregame or a postgame show. And one of the guys who works in suites, one of my friends at the Raiders said, you can't say this. Do not repeat this on your show. But we got Billy Joel. And I go, when? And he goes, sometime after Valentine's Day. I said, well, that's interesting. I met my wife the day after Valentine's Day. I wonder when it's going to be. And then when I found out the date and I knew Metallica, 
I said, oh, my God, what a weekend here in Las Vegas. And as, as Katz mentioned, Bruno Mars and all the other big shows that are here, the residencies, Luke Bryan and all of this. For those who are out of town, you take all of that that's happening and then you put March Madness right behind it. And we all know what's going to happen next with this football stadium and Mark Davis's vision where you're going to have the Final Four there in basketball. And that's going to happen sooner than later because – March Madness stayed away from Vegas, and now all the people who work behind the scenes, all the people that work behind the scenes to get basketball to T-Mobile. We're not talking about the Thomas and Mac, which is great. Basketball's great at the Thomas and Mac. Love it. Then you got T-Mobile, where you see Gonzaga, Michigan, Duke, and these incredible games. And then you look at Allegiant Stadium, and you say, this is perfect for gambling, March Madness, Sweet 16, Final Four in the National Championship game, and then Premier League soccer and global soccer around the world. Think of these soccer fans. The biggest sport in the world, no doubt about it, is soccer. It's bigger than the NBA and the NFL combined. Let me repeat. Soccer's bigger than the NBA and the NFL combined. You start telling these soccer fans around the world that we're not putting on some lame exhibition match inside that building, but we're going to really do something cool, and we're going to insist on the stars playing, and you're going to get them at Allegiant Stadium. It's incredible. You know, Allegiant Stadium wasn't built for concerts. It was built for football, and as they're working out the concerts and the sound and everything that they're putting together there, it's going to be magical. It's going to be fantastic because it's going to be easy for everybody to get in there, and as Johnny Katz said, especially with a weekend like this, playing ahead with the traffic, Because fortunately, we don't have Bay Area traffic. We don't have L.A., New York traffic. I'm from New York. I lived in the Bay Area. I lived in L.A. 10 years. Friends in San Diego, a lot of them are out here for these concerts. Every every time I talk to them, they complain more and more about traffic. We got the 15, the 215. People around town know that we got pretty good roads. They're kind of new. There's not a lot of traffic in a lot of parts of town. But you go to a concert. You go to a stadium event. You got to plan ahead. Thanks to Johnny Katz for joining us here as we continue on. As we wrap up the week here, as I told you, the next couple of weeks, we got a lot of different programming lined up as we build towards the NFL draft. And as I mentioned, all the great events that are happening, I'm not privy to a lot of what's going on with the draft just yet. I don't know where the big parties are going to be outside. We know it's going to be over by the link where the draft is, the Bellagio Fountains. The Raiders are going to have unbelievable planning, but it's an NFL event. So I think the strip is going to be explosive down to Circa with Derek Stevens, out to our partners at the M Resort, and all the casinos and ones that are right on the strip and what they're going to do with their outside seating for all this. It's going to make Vegas really pop for that. And then we'll see what the Raiders do in regards to their draft pick and what they're thinking with the draft. Because this week I spent a lot of time, as you know, especially this hour, talking about the NBA because the NBA is king right now, and this is kind of a quiet period for the NFL, other than Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and some of the news out there. We also talked this week about some of the looming problems that the NFL has with the ongoing investigation with Daniel Snyder, with the Washington Commanders, Brian Flores, and the lawsuit, and what's going to happen there. Eric Bieniemy is returning to the Chiefs as an offensive coordinator this upcoming year. I think this is a massive story heading into the weekend that he didn't get a job. Okay, because a lot of people look at this now correctly as a racial issue. How come a proven African-American candidate can't get a job compared to a somewhat less proven, clearly less proven white candidate who becomes a head coach? 
And that's going to be debated. This Eric Bieniemy story is really big. And Andy Reid was not going to make him look embarrassed and not have a job. So Andy Reid, from what I'm hearing, knew that he was going to go out and look for a head coaching job. Many people thought he would get one. If he didn't get one, maybe he would take a job in college, a big one. It didn't work out for Bieniemy. So he goes right back to Kansas City. Similar to the way that a lot of coaches go back to New England when it doesn't work out, when they try to become a head coach. Matt Patricia, Joe Judge. Initially, what happened with Josh McDaniels after Denver, he goes back to New England, has roaring success again. But I think I I was wrong on Eric Bieniemy. I thought Eric Bieniemy would have had multiple opportunities for jobs. To be the head coach of Jacksonville, which they went with Doug Peterson, potentially the head coach in New Orleans. They went with Dennis Allen. To be the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. To be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Trying to build a quarterback, and he wasn't able to get it. Uh, Matt Nagy's back with Kansas City as the quarterback coach. Matt Nagy is a hell of a coach. He wasn't successful with the Bears at a level that you might think. But he was a pretty good coach. And Peyton Manning thinks the world of Matt Nagy over his career. So Nagy fired last month after four seasons as head coach of the Chicago Bears returns to the Chiefs today as senior assistant and quarterbacks coach. Remember, Matt Nagy is only 43 years old. He was with the Chiefs for five seasons from 2013 to 2017, finishing as offensive coordinator when Mahomes was a rookie and the backup was Alex Smith. Nagy was co-offensive coordinator in 2016 and quarterbacks coach for the first three seasons in Kansas City. And remember, his record with the Bears, for everybody saying Matt Nagy failed, his record was 34-31 and 31 in the regular season. 6-11 and 11 last year, he was the NFL's coach of the year recently in 2018 for leading the Bears to a 12-4 and four record in the NFC North Championship. Look, this is an arms race in regards to coaches. And you remember what I called the Charger coach. Brandon Staley, I call him Boy Blunder. I don't think he's a great coach. I think he's highly overrated. Mr. I'll go for it on fourth down on my own 18, and the Raiders punched him in the mouth. Gus Bradley and the boys, when he was here, punched him in the mouth. So you got Boy Blunder down in Los Angeles with a good roster. You got Josh McDaniels here with the Raiders. You got Andy Reid with Matt Nagy, Eric Bieniemy, Steve Spagnola. An elite coaching staff in Kansas City. Any way you look at it, Andy Reid was at the John Madden event on that Monday night, the final Monday night, and Andy Reid showed a lot of respect to the Raider Nation, even though we looked to beat Andy Reid every time. He showed respect to the Madden family. And then on top of that, you look at the division and how strong that division and what that division could be. Denver is in a very unique spot going forward as they go out and get Nathaniel Hackett and from the Hackett tree, who's a good coach and connected to Aaron Rodgers. And I always thought that that would be the issue why Aaron Rodgers would go there because of Nathaniel Hackett. And Aaron Rodgers did not have a good week with the press. He did not have a good week with the press because Brian Goodenkunst, the GM of the team, made it clear on the record that there's no guarantee that there's going to be a trade. And as we talked about in the first hour, now the news today is that Aaron Rodgers wants to be the highest paid player in the NFL. That's his leverage. He doesn't want to be one of the highest paid players. After back-to-back MVPs, he wants to be the highest paid. Could that blow it up in Green Bay? Probably could, but if he goes to Denver, he's going to want all that money also, and Denver's going to have to get rid of players and get their cap ready to go get him.
Hey, we had a really good week. Thanks to Bobby Machado, as always, for producing the show. Metallica tonight, Billy Joel coming up tomorrow, a weekend that I've always dreamed about here. Hope to bump into you at Allegiant Stadium at the Torch. Everybody have a safe weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. And we always appreciate you listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.